Listener Production. Hello, welcome to The Briefing. Tom Tilley and Rihanna Patrick joining you for this episode of The Briefing where we explain the Chris Dawson murder verdict. Yeah, Tuesday's judgment was one of the most anticipated court decisions in recent Australian history and the Teacher's Pet podcast drew millions of people into this 40-year-old unsolved mystery. And despite the fact that Lynette Dawson's body has never been found and we still don't know how she was killed, the judge ruled beyond a reasonable doubt that her husband murdered her. His reasoning, stories, narratives and excuses about his wife's disappearance 40 years ago, all the veils just dropped away. When all those veils ultimately dropped, there was uh, logically no other conclusion than Christopher Dawson had in fact murdered his wife. Find out how he arrived at that verdict in this episode's briefing. First, today's big headlines. It's Thursday, the 1st of September. Australia's COVID isolation period will be reduced from seven down to five days from next Friday. This would apply to people with no symptoms. Clearly, if you have symptoms, we want people to stay home. We want people to act responsibly. So that's Anthony Albanese, the Prime Minister. There was hope in the Rabbitohs camp, which is Albo's favourite NRL side, that these ISO changes would help their hooker, Damien Cook, get out of ISO for the big game on Friday, but no dice because the changes come in next Friday. Yeah, and those in high-risk settings like aged care will still have to quarantine for the full week, and isolation support payments are also likely to be reduced, and the current pandemic leave payment of $750 is scheduled to end on September 30. Yeah, so the Prime Minister's in discussions to reduce that payment down um, what's likely to be something like $540. Um, Face masks will be no longer mandatory on domestic flights from next Friday as well. And face masks on public transport will be up to each state. And also going on for the federal government is the much-anticipated Jobs and Skills Summit, which kicks off in Canberra today. More than 100 delegates from businesses, unions, academia and advocacy groups will meet and talk about improving productivity and wages. It's the first day of spring and with the warmer weather comes a new fire danger rating system. Yeah, so it'll now be a national system. It'll have four categories instead of six which it had in some states, and it'll also come with corresponding actions. So green is moderate, which means plan and prepare. Yellow is high, be ready to act. Orange is extreme, meaning take action now to protect life and property. And red is catastrophic for your survival, leave bushfire risk areas. Those levels and, and, and the actions that you take where you can you can identify a single action with every uh, fire danger ratings, you know, we looked at what do we really need to tell the community to do. That's New South Wales Rural Fire Service Commissioner Rob Rogers there, who's been leading the charge and the update was a key recommendation from the Bushfire Royal Commission. Yeah, thankfully, uh, the terrible weather on the east coast with the triple La Nina means we'll have less severe fire conditions, so there's a bit of an upside. A review into Australia's $1.4 billion cosmetic surgery industry has been released by the federal government. Now, it comes after hundreds of reports of botched procedures with only a basic medical degree needed for a doctor to call themselves a cosmetic surgeon and surgical training otherwise takes six years. So 16 recommendations have been handed down, including cracking down on advertising and a special unit within the medical watchdog. Another key recommendation is having an official cosmetic surgery endorsement and accreditation. 
And that's been slammed by experts. The president of the Australian Society of Plastic Surgeons, Associate Professor Nicola Dean, says cosmetic surgery is surgery. To suggest a little endorsement program in cosmetic surgery can work as a standalone program without that core surgical training is nonsensical. Yeah, and other experts have said that the recommendations are profoundly disappointing and will do little to improve patient safety. You said earlier hundreds of reports of botched procedures. There's been 300 notifications of cosmetic surgeries that had a complication or injury between 2019 and 2021. So a lot of things going wrong there. The former leader of the Soviet Union, Mikhail Gorbachev, has died aged 91 after a long illness. Uh, Gorbachev is famous for ending the Cold War without bloodshed and he was instrumental in the fall of the Berlin Wall and more broadly removing the Iron Curtain that divided Europe. Mr Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Yeah, so that's a famous statement from the US President Ronald Reagan in 1987. And the wall came down two years later, which liberated more than a dozen countries from the Soviet Union, including Ukraine. Gorbachev was later awarded a Nobel Peace Prize, but ending the Soviet Union meant he was widely despised in Russia. Yeah, and political figures around the world have paid their respects to the former leader. Uh, Anthony Albanese saying that he changed the world for the better, while US President Joe Biden called him a rare leader who had the imagination to see that a different future was possible. Yeah, Vladimir Putin um, wasn't as um, full of praise for him, so that gives you an idea um, the difference between these two men. He expressed his deepest condolences, but we haven't heard whether there'll be a state funeral for Mikhail Gorbachev. All right, in just a moment, Inside the Chris Dawson Verdict. After 40 years, a 10-week trial and a verdict which took four and a half hours to deliver, former teacher Chris Dawson was found guilty of the murder of his wife, Lynette. Motivated by his desire to have an unfettered relationship with their teenage babysitter. So even after numerous police investigations and two coronial inquests, this case was still never brought to trial until the Teacher's Pet podcast brought renewed focus. And then finally, the DPP charged Chris Dawson with murder and brought this trial into the courtroom. Matthew Condon, veteran reporter from The Australian, was there and he's a close colleague of Hedley Thomas, the man behind the Teacher's Pet podcast. Matthew, what was it like to see the judge deliver the guilty verdict on Tuesday afternoon? unbelievably moving. Mm. I mean, I have to say too that um, having sat in on this trial and ultimately the verdict hearing, um, you had hundreds of people trying to be present to listen to this historic verdict, albeit if it went one way or the other, cues and cues of human beings trying to be present. You had dozens of women dressed in pink scarves, pink ribbons, pink tops, pink... Lynette's favourite colour in tribute to this woman. And Justice Harrison addressed the court for over four and a half hours until he brought in his verdict. Having listened to Harrison, he was monotone, he was non-emotional, delivering a summation of his verdict until just after 3pm when his vocal tone actually changed And we thought, here we go, we're coming to the end of the line here. And um, it was an extraordinary moment in court when he delivered the guilty verdict. Christopher Michael Dawson on the charge that on or about 8 January 1982 at Bayview, 
or elsewhere in the state of, Mur of New South Wales, uh, you did murder Lynette Dawson. I find you guilty. And these two burly prison officers strode into the court. Um, he was handcuffed with his hands in front of him and then literally marched to the door behind the dock, which took the prisoner down to the cells. And everyone was stunned. I, had, I was covered in goosebumps. There were people gasping. There were women crying. Uh, it was an utterly emotional and phenomenal moment. So, Matthew, with no body, with no direct evidence of how she died, a clear acknowledgement that this was all circumstantial evidence, how did the judge rule beyond a reasonable doubt that Chris Dawson killed his wife, Lynette? So when he assembled this list of facts, it came down to choking off any other possible logical conclusion. The only person left on the stage alone was her former husband, Christopher Dawson. So um, the challenge for Justice Harrison was to examine this storyline that Dawson had never deviated from um, for, for the bulk of his life, essentially. And um, the judge concluded, courtesy of the Crown's evidence uh, and witnesses, that in fact this, that story was a lie and that indeed everything that Dawson had promoted about the disappearance of his wife similarly was a lie. Having sat through that 10-week trial, I mean, what were the key moments of evidence the verdict hung on? I think the biggest thing for me was the story that Lynn Dawson had been cited after her alleged uh, disappearance. So that was one of the major arguments from the defence. And to hear Justice Harrison essentially say all of those alleged sightings were nothing but a tissue of lies and then to address Christopher Dawson himself and to dismantle his reasoning, stories, narratives and excuses about his wife's disappearance 40 years ago, all the veils just dropped away. When all those veils ultimately dropped, there was uh, logically no other conclusion than Christopher Dawson had in fact murdered his wife. Matthew, the editorial in the Australian newspaper, which you and Headley Thomas work for, said that without Thomas and the Teacher's Pet podcast, this case would never have been resolved. Was it some specific evidence that he dug up during the course of his investigation for the podcast or was it the podcast impacting the police investigation that got us to this point? It was all of that. So um, Justice Harrison indeed alluded to the fact that there had been, and in Justice Harrison's own words, a, quote, lackadaisical approach by police in those early years. There is no serious investigation into that until the, the late 1980s when a detective called Damien Loon, and he should be credited here and indeed honoured for his tenacity and his early work, really made a serious investigation into the disappearance of this woman. This was a very simplistic suburban drama. You have a woman who adored her husband. You have a man who is an incredibly attractive and potent male in the Australia of the early 80s. He's been a football star. He's been a model. 
and he's started a family very young. He's married when he's 21. He's got two young daughters. And to my mind, he suddenly finds that, in fact, um, he has a, a power and an attractiveness to other women, but he's trapped in this marriage of his own making and acts upon that attractiveness. He indeed, as a physical education teacher at a high school, he engages in a relationship with a 16-year-old pupil. So once the, the podcast takes off, then there is enormous public pressure upon the justice system itself to actually do its job. Uh, this is the tragedy of this case. So the police get cracking with another wonderful detective called Daniel Poole, and ultimately the director of public prosecutions finally makes the decision to charge Christopher Dawson with murder, and that's how it ended up in the courts, albeit four decades after the event. So what was it that convinced the prosecutors to go ahead at that moment? What was the threshold that was crossed? Uh, that's a very, very good question. Um, I mean, combine public pressure uh, with contemporary policing methods with, you know, at last exhaustive witness interviews. Now, w when you assemble the facts and you put every resource you have into that conclusion, Everson laid out the timeline and as Justice Harrison himself concluded when you look at the timeline and you have all the goat tracks off the highway choked off, in the end, there is literally only one conclusion because the only person standing by themselves on the stage who is capable of logically committing the murder, there was only one answer left at the end of the day, and that was Christopher Dawson. And that's exactly how the judge concluded yesterday. That was Matthew Condon from The Australian. What do you make of that, Rihanna? Look, uh, for me, I was fascinated by the amount of just everyday spectators that turned up. I mean, you expect a large number of journalists to be at a case like this, but for me... The fact that they had to live stream into another bigger court for those that had attended to watch the proceedings from the general public, I mean, that was huge. I mean, there were so many people who really wanted to see what the verdict outcome was going to be. And there's still so much mystery around this. Like, it's it's actually mm. still an unsolved mystery until we find out actually what happened to her. And it seems like the only way that's going to happen is if Chris Dawson shares more information. Until then, there's still a really sad, perplexing mystery to this whole story. Tomorrow on The Briefing, Dude, Where's My Well-Paid Tech Job? We'll find out what the tech industry wants from Albanese's Jobs and Skills Summit. Listener.